Hi, my name is Michael Poli, and I've never seen Buffy the Vampire Slayer. My friends are obsessed and always make jokes and references to it. And so now, 20 years later, I've been convinced to watch the show from beginning to end, one episode a week. I'm a Buffy virgin. Hey, we're back, guys. It's been a two-week hiatus, but Buffy Virgin is back. Uh, we are watching Beauty and the Beast. Uh, and I'm your host this week, Dennis St. John. Uh, we have with us Buffy Virgin, Michael Poli. Hello, happy to be here. And it is Beauty and the Beast. There are multiple beasts in this episode. Thank you for correcting me. We have <laughs> Travis. Hey, everybody. <laughs> And we have John. Hey, hey. All right. Um, so before we get started today, I just wanted to maybe explain why we took a two-week hiatus a little and say what's going on. Because uh, as you probably heard in the news, and I don't know where you're listening from, but there was um, a lot of uh, fires in the North Bay of California, and I was affected by those. Um, I had a couple days without power, and then I had to evacuate. Um, and... This week, or th today, originally, Michael Poli and I were going to be at the Famous Monsters Halloween Bash in San Jose and recording a special episode, um, but uh, the convention was canceled uh, because of those fires, um, so now we're just going to be recording a normal episode. Um, I just wanted to kind of explain some of what's been going on in my life. I was a bit of a, um, not a not a refugee or anything, but I was, uh, without a home for a little bit. Uh, but I'm okay. My house survived. Uh, most people I know who evacuated, they kept their house, but a few people lost them. Um, so just kind of, all right, now we can go on with the, the episode. I just wanted to explain that. No, Dennis, thank you. Like we were all really worried about you and, uh, yeah, it sucks about the convention, but like, just glad that everybody's okay. You know, conventions come and go. That's right. Yeah. And uh, I still will have um, a new book out by the time maybe this episode airs. Uh, that got delayed a little bit because of these fires, because it took me a while to send final files. But I do have a new book out. I'm going to put that somewhere in the Twitter and stuff. Uh, and uh, happy Halloween, everybody. I think this Woo! episode may hey. air on Halloween. Can you tell me about the book? Is that the Furiosa one? Yeah, it's a, a collection of my short horror comics from the last few years, plus a couple older ones that I enjoyed. It's called um, The Land of Many Monsters and Many More Monster Tales, because who likes brevity in a, ta in a uh, title, right? Uh, so it's a collection of, I think, nine of my short horror stories, uh, including two dinosaur comics um, uh, and two brand new ones that I've yet to see print outside of this. So check it out. It's pretty, it's pretty good guys. That's awesome. Is it? So it's the comic you were doing on the Patreon as well. The one that you've been working on. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. That's the uh, title. The land of many monsters comes from that episode, that comic. Uh, but it's going to be about 115 pages. It's got an intro by Steve Bissett. Um, 115 got, uh, pages. That is a book. Whoa. That's yeah. <laughs> Is this your biggest book? It's got, uh, a couple oh, yeah. werewolf comics that I made back in 2010 that haven't been reprinted since then. Um, and those are, I mean, they're my older, they're my older stuff, but they're kind of my, like, I hit a stride with those comics that I like think show like where the rest of my career is going. Um, so I think they're like, they're ones to read that I just think are interesting. 
And and how do we get our hands on this? Am is it Amazon? Uh, or is it Dennis Comics? Uh, it'll be available online, um, probably through Amazon.com. Uh, there'll be links when the book comes out, and not before. <laughs> okay, great. But there'll be a physical book, not just a digital yes. book. Yes. Nice. Yes. A That's really book. exciting. All yeah. right. Great. So, uh, how does this podcast work? What's going to happen? So, oh yeah, thank you. So, sorry, just a little reminder do... of it. <laughs> that we do a podcast. Uh, guys, it's been a couple weeks. I, uh, <laughs> uh, we're going to do uh, Great Lines, and followed by Weird Noticing slash Trivia, Questions for the Group, Themes, Predictions, My Kill Count, and Recommendations. So let's start with Great Lines. I think, Wait, Holy, you're up first. Sorry, wait. Somebody, Dennis? Summary, summary, summary. Yeah. I recorded right. a summary. <laughs> let's not forget to play it. I, I spent an hour on it. All right. <laughs> All right, let me get a summary. Season three, episode four, Beauty and the Beasts. Beast number one, Oz. So it's a calm evening in Sunnydale. Xander is preparing to take on the gang's bi-fortnightly duty of locking Oz up in the library's bookcage so that he won't get out and maul anyone during his werewolf state. Xander is totally up to the task. He'll keep a close eye on Oz. He probably totally won't even fall asleep for most of the night. And even if he does fall asleep, there probably won't be any horrible murders of Oz's off-screen acquaintances that night. Because that would make Oz a suspected murderer. Except, of course, all of that happens. Bad Xander. Beast number two. Shirtless Angel. So Buffy goes on patrol, hoping to find the monster responsible for the mauling death of Oz's buddy. Preferably she would like to find a monster who isn't Oz. What she finds is her own ex-boyfriend. Since his recent trip to hell, he seems to have a lot less shirt and be able to say a lot less words. Running shirtless and feral through the woods, he's like an animal. Or like Weapon X. Could it be that he's responsible for the recent murders? Probably Giles shouldn't know about this. So instead, Buffy asks him, hypothetically... I have this friend who hypothetically just got her boyfriend back from a hypothetical hell dimension. And like, hypothetically, would my friend's hypothetical boyfriend still have a shred of sanity left after centuries of torture in a time pocket hell dimension? Oh, probably not? Okay, thanks. I'll let my friend know. Beast number three, Pete. So Pete and Debbie are Scott's friends, and they seem like a nice enough couple when they aren't insulting Scott to his face. But behind closed doors, it turns out that Pete has been drinking glow stick juice. And when he drinks it, it gives him the Jacob's Ladder head and a total roid rage. Before long, Debbie starts showing up with fresh bruises, and Buffy's new therapist shows up with a gaping chest wound. Since the shrink was killed during the day, this probably means that neither Wolf Oz nor Shirtless Animal Angel are the culprit. So Pete starts looking like the guilty party. Buffy and Willow corner Debbie, and with absolutely no irony whatsoever, they proceed to lambast her for having a monster for a boyfriend. Meanwhile, Monster Pete confronts Monster Oz, leading to a steroid monster versus wolf monster battle. The gang intervenes, and Faith manages to get Oz with the dark gun. So that's one beast down. 
Buffy chases after steroid monster Pete, but fails to prevent him from killing Debbie in a jealous rage. Thankfully, shirtless and clueless Angel intervenes and strangles Pete to death with a chain before flashing back to human face and embracing Buffy. It turns out, love was the real beast all along. The end. Wow, I just, I I just come here for the summary, man. I didn't even know we're doing a podcast. <laughs> I love the framing with the three like yeah. beasts. This one would be really fun to like actually cut in the episode and post, like, like to cut in. Yeah, I actually got as far as put setting up a premiere timeline to do that, and then I realized that I don't have time for that, and then I didn't do it. Okay, well, maybe we'll do that. Maybe someone <laughs> will be motivated to do that. But that one was a really good one for something like that. Anyway, do you, do you think this episode is why they took Surge off shelves? Surge <laughs> <laughs> could have looked a little bit more like that glowy, glowing liquid. It was kind of advertised to have similar effects. That that liquid reminded me a lot of um, a Dipsphere, a Dipsphere's child, uh, Arthur Cullister's oh, totally video with all the glowing. Uh, which is available online. Yes. Maybe that'll be an added I have no record. idea what you're Do talking like about. Juice. Uh, a friend of ours made, I think you're actually thinking of uh, Not Dead But Dreaming, the first one. That has all the glow oh, juice right. in it. Yeah. That, yeah. Uh, kind of an avant-garde uh, VHS movie made by a friend of ours. A lot of glow stick juice in that movie. Available where all VHSs are sold. <laughs> it's available on YouTube. <laughs> uh, all right. You want to move to uh, Great Lines? Yeah, uh, let's do it. Uh, right, so this first one up. is from Xander. Call the Wild. Aren't we reading the cliff notes for this for English? Wah, wah. I love that because I love the assumption that Cliff Notes is the book, and uh, having experienced people do exactly that in college, uh, as opposed to reading books, uh, this resonated instantly. And then this other one. Uh, uh, oh, good. Oh, I also like that Willow is apparently reading like the Giles copy of Call of the Wild, like with ancient binding. Like, <laughs> couldn't get a, a paperback. <laughs> it's also nice that all of their English reading like fits in nicely with where they are with their current uh, supernatural problems. Yeah, It's like yeah. the curriculum is probably, you could tie it like Scarlet Letter. Uh, cool. That's uh, We're dealing with uh, people responding to Buffy sleeping with Angel for the first time. Oh, uh, I should have been the swim team one, actually, right? For Scarlet Letter? Yeah. Could have been the swim team one, right? No, all... I don't think so. What would that be connection be? Well, that was where they were all saying that she was easy. Am I insane? Never mind. Keep going. It's a, bad, it's a rough day for me right now. <laughs> Keep it moving. Okay. Another, another great line, Mike. Okay. But you like him, right? When you think about him, you get that good down low tickle. Uh, that's from Faith, and uh, that's an amazing line. Uh, yes. Down low tickle, which, uh, you know, <laughs> well, I, wonder, I wonder how to relate about female excitement. So, like, this told me. It was great. It's also interesting that Buffy agrees, and then she's like, wait, how low? So, like, what's the slightly higher <laughs> tickle that Buffy originally is agreeing to? Uh, like, probably butterflies in the Belly sky. tickles. Okay. Yeah, it's like, ah, oh, my diaphragm is tick. I don't know. Like, sorry, diaphragm, like, between your lungs and your stomach. Right. Like if right. you're going to be singing in a baritone or a tenor, you might want to. He makes me want to sing. Yeah, I don't oh, know. just like butterflies in the stomach. That's what the that's what the uh, more tame version is, right? Yeah, that's way to sabotage my sarcasm with making sense. 
Uh, I'm next with an Oz line. Uh, I may be a cold-blooded jelly donut, but my timing is impeccable. Best line in the whole thing, because it's also a callback. It's great. Yeah, just well written. What's it a callback to? Uh, Willow is like, you're not the one whose boyfriend is a cold-blooded. She realizes Oz is behind her and goes, Uh, jelly donut? So... He just no, picked missed, up on it. You know what she was going to say. Uh, all right. This is from Buffy. Well, you two are living out your grim fairy tale. Two people have died. I just like the, the casual use of grim fairy tale. It was like your romance. All right, Travis. Yeah. Um, Willow says, uh, this is in the beginning episode, Willow to Xander, I'm still getting used to the half Monty referring to Oz. Sandra's like, wait, which half? And she goes, wouldn't you like to know? And then like smiles, this like amazing smile. It's, it's a darling moment. I assume the bottom half. He's never taken yeah. off his shirt in front of her. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> but it's, it's like the first time I think she's like been, uh, I don't know, more, more adult or like talking about a relationship like that. It feels like <clears throat> a while. Yeah. I mean, I guess ever since the original Werewolf episode, we've all seen Oz naked. We've seen Oz naked? Well, I mean, the fur monster that we saw in the original Werewolf episode was not wearing clothes, so I'm, I'm going to say we've oh, all seen I him naked. So, so Werewolf Oz is naked Oz. We've all seen yeah. him. Yeah. Well, we okay. saw him in a fur suit when he was fur suit. Yes. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's a groan. That's a pun. <laughs> Oh, man, I love my own puns. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, let's move on to weird noticings and trivia. Uh, John? I just thought it was, yeah, I thought it was weird that uh, we open up with Buffy narrating, reading the passage from uh, Call of the Wild, and then it is it actually Willow reading? Just, that's yeah. weird. I agree. I feel like that's just a big, like, it's just Buffy's the main character, so it has to be her opening narration. But it doesn't function at all. The transition is really awkward. Like they should have just given that to Will. Like, yeah, I don't know. You lay off opening narration. All right. Let Open me tell. Narration. Let me tell you. In the Peanuts movie, all of Snoopy's adventures are narrated by Lucy because she's the one reading it, and it doesn't like. Even though Lucy's a weird person to be narrating it, like storytelling wise, it's what has to happen because she's the reader of it, and we can't have Snoopy speak. But Hold like, on. isn't Lucy in the story? How is she reading it? No, it's uh, he is writing a Flying Ace World War One adventure, and she reads it. She's not reading the story of the Peanuts movie. It's a story. It's the narrative within the narrative. Um, but anyway, it's just a sacrifice you have to make for storytelling reason, for like story structure reasons. You can't have like Charlie Brown reading it, and then it cuts to like Lucy being like reading the last paragraph or something. It would make no sense. Sounds like a fun thing to play with. Like, it would be fun to see a video of John's life narrated by me. Uh, just like, <laughs> John looks around his apartment. How can he get Star Trek to this time? Maybe <laughs> it would that... be John's life. You would narrate the first part, and then John would continue the narration <laughs> as if nothing was amiss. <laughs> and then John, would John can narrate my life. Yeah, you know, he'll do the opening. Uh, uh, John thinks in Michael Polley's voice, but then he speaks out loud in his own. <laughs> I mean, that's Mike, pretty much Mike, just what if you're, what true, if, right? What if your inner voice, Mike, was actually John's real voice? Okay, here's and the like, When you had your thoughts, it was John's voice, and then when you spoke, it was your voice. 
the confusing thing about reality is sometimes all of your voices are my inner voice that tells me what to do. Like I have the Travis inner voice. I have the Dennis inner voice, the John Landis inner voice that come and play different times. So it's like yeah, all the people, especially you- if we're hanging out too much, it, our voices get deeply into like our brains. Right? Oh, it's totally like a frame of mind where Riker finds out that he's just in an insane asylum and all the other Star Trek characters are just like pieces of his psyche that the whole time. I think none of us are real, Mike. That's, there's a good chance of that. You're just an image on a screen to me. Uh, Mike, you say library cage. Yep, library cage. It's my favorite prop in the extended, like uh, the toy universe of Buffy, where there's a library yes. toy set and the library cage is being used all the time. Love that playset. Love it's being used. <laughs> and then yeah. I have and this. And this, this episode, it gets um, busted. So that's like its toy action is tearing through the library cage. Oh, no, I think you put like you put like a little Oz action figure in it and then you spin a thing around and there's a werewolf action figure on the other side. It's one of those. Oh, like there's, yeah. There's I also a, think you like, should like. One idiot. <laughs> you also have to cram the entire swim team in there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I also like I like uh when Xander's like the unbreakable window and it's like I mean I know it's got metal wiring but that was not an unbreakable window. <laughs> uh so speaking of Xander, I've got this next one here. Is it true that all the confusion about Oz being the killer could have been avoided if Xander hadn't fallen asleep during his shift? Uh yes. yes. And yes, it is yes, it is. <laughs> Xander's unreliability is like the reason this episode's like like half the drama in this episode is that. I mean, there's also the angelus angel werewolf thing happening, but or attacking people possibly. But like it's so annoying and like <laughs> it just it like made me angry. Like I was like when Giles gets pissed at Xander for falling asleep, I'm angry too i'm like this guy's such a weak like why are you letting him do the late shift he clearly can barely tie his shoes jesus also he clearly came there to nap like he makes no pretense but he brought magazines and coffee like he brought props to like let willow think he was going to do a good job but he clearly knew he was not son of a bitch but the window opening how okay how did that even become a thing like that would be like Xander went in the cage and opened it, right? Like, it doesn't make sense that the window open is the... Do you get me? Does that make sense? No, no, it had to be open before Oz even went in there. Like, Oz yeah. had to go in there and be like, you know what, sounds like a great idea, locking me up in this cage, but I need some. I need to, need to look outside, I need to see the moon. I need some fresh air, guys. I mean, maybe it's possible that, like, Oz really did kill someone, they just haven't found him yet. Yeah, yeah, that's also, some, yeah. Dark and also the fact that one killer killed during the day, like, is not necessarily evidence that the other killer wasn't Oz, you know? Yeah. Why have a window oh, in yeah. a cage? Probable, but... Why have a window in a cage? <laughs> well, if it's I a think book what cage. happened is no, Giles but... was organizing his books in the cage, and he farted, and he was like, I need to let some air out. And this is actually all Giles' farts' fault. That makes a lot of sense. They should have included that scene in the opening as opposed to the voiceover. That would have been great. That's a deleted scene, is the Giles <laughs> fart scene. And it says like eight hours previously in the bottom part. <laughs> it's just like everybody goes, <laughs> it's, oh dear. Oh my. Wow. Oh this, dear. this podcast is really getting classy. <laughs> this has to be explained. Uh, so I say that Xander is always accidentally outing himself. He does it again with the 
Oz thing. Um, I don't know. I don't really have a larger point yet. Uh, I just think it's worth noting how often it happens that he's saying stuff. Uh, and then I was noting that Xander plans to pass the time by reading, you know, when he's guarding Oz, which just struck me as hilarious. Like, there's no way Xander 2017 would be a reader. Yeah. yeah no. Uh, he's like, he's also says he's going to exercise. That's also not happening. It's so, it's such a not believable lie, yet Willow falls for it. Because she's got study brain. He should have just been like, he should have just been like, well, I'll be masturbating. And everyone would have been like, yeah, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> That is weird. Uh, so I ask, um, during the cemetery scene, or during, uh, you know, Faith and Buffy are walking through this beautiful cemetery and Faith is commenting how pretty it is. And then it's like, do you think, uh, you know, students ever hook up here? And Buffy's like, no, actually, but I think she was um, being like, uh, you know, you want to make out? Is this a good, I think this is a good space to make out. That's my theory basically my theory is every character on the show is gay i guess um because i keep doing that uh <laughs> good theory did anyone else get that no i didn't feel that okay. i mean now that you mention it i mean now that you mention it taking somebody out in the cemetery and saying that uh is pretty suspicious i mean so related like i kind of think this episode is a bechdel ta- bechdel taste fail ugh, test fail because like they're always and taste uh, but they're always talking about boys in this episode. Like every time women are yeah. together, it's like boy conversation. Like that Faith Buffy conversation is a boy conversation, even though it. I think it shifts to a boy conversation. I think Buff. I think Faith was testing the water, and when it didn't work, she switched to talking about Scott to like make that transition. I think she's testing the water with Buffy. Uh, but yeah, I, I. This is like a weirdly man-heavy episode, like for Buffy. Like we don't usually get like three male monsters all wrestling each other like and the slayers barely involved just peripherally involved in it you know um yeah i think it is a i can't think of a conversation that's uh not male related that the women go through so yeah uh Uh, yeah john you say uh, Uh, i just wanted to make a list of uh yeah, I wanted to make a list of Faith, Faith's euphemisms for sex because she has three of them. So if you're Faith, sex could be doing the ditty or kicking the gear shift or horsing around. Any of those three things shift. could be sex. Kicking <laughs> <That's laughs> the gear shift sounds like the worst. <laughs> I mean, I assume that's <laughs> a man getting his crotch kicked by a slayer, right? <laughs> That sounds like a better visual than I had. I, it's like it sounds like a foot like slipping inside of a human being. But I like, the, I like the <laughs> wait, wait what? <laughs> or like maybe it's like rewind. Really nope, bad at nope. And it's like grinding you, it all. You're talking about Mike? <laughs> no, kicking the gear shift sounds like a foot slipping inside of a human being. In a how? how? Wait, how does that mean kicking the gear shift? No, it sounds oh. like a made-up sex thing. It's not a real one. Yeah. Right. You ever so, like, the kicking shift? the gear shift on, um, on like Urban Dictionary, is some kind of foot pe- penetration? Is what you're saying? Yep. Oh, okay. I didn't. That my. I did not think of that. You're welcome. <laughs> I guess. Well, I so, all right. I think. I guess I was thinking of gear shift as being like a stick shift, and that's the penis. Yes, that's also what I thought of. 
So I was like, people grinding it really hard. Like, you're going to wear out this guy's transmission. Um, I don't know. <laughs> uh, you know what? Euphemisms are very open. You know, they're very ambiguous. I, I, it's a danger yeah. to use them sometimes. I, I don't even want to ask you what you thought of for horsing around. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's fucking a horse, obviously. <laughs> Uh, what is happening? Doing the ditty is having sex while singing a jaunty tune. <laughs> yeah, no, it's sex with P. Diddy, obviously. <laughs> wow. Wow. All right. He's really dirty money. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so Oz, as always, has just great t-shirts. Um, he has uh, another like sexy girl shirt. And then later he's got like a sidekick shirt. Um, both totally solid. Uh, and John, you mentioned that Angel's running around shirtless this whole episode. Yes. I thought it was Stranger. He was wearing pants. Uh, <laughs> because when he fell out of the sky, he fell naked, which means at some point he found clothes but chose to only put on pants. <laughs> <laughs> In his like savage animal state, he's like, pants. <laughs> that must have happened, yeah. Uh, oh, I also say. The stupid chains and that angel-shaped scorch mark when Buffy, uh, you know, ties up, finds Angel and ties him up. Oh, also she knocks over like a bunch of dolls. So I just thought that was a cute little thing that, you know, Drew fled quickly, left all her dolls. It was probably me, Miss Edith getting knocked out. But I hate those <laughs> chains so much because it looks like I could break like through them. Like if you just put weight on that hook, it would have broke off the mm. wall. But you know, it's the same. It's like the same world where she thinks that the the library cage works. So at least like that's pretty consistent. It's not like she she has like some really like heavy duty thing, and then she thinks that'll work, and then the library cage will work. It's like no, it's all. It's kind just of weird hard. that we we're living in this world with like multiple super strong characters, but they're like, yes, this totally flimsy metal will hold. It's fine. Yeah, it's metal. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so Buffy, I needs say, her own Buffy needs her own library cage playset for where she puts her secret uh, villains. Like maybe in Buffy's secret. bedroom, there could be like a chest or something that they she puts things inside, or like a inside like her like a walk in uh, like walk in changing area. There's like a space to put somebody like tie them up. Yeah, this is a really clinky kinky playset we're building. Yeah, Mike. <laughs> Well, okay, it could be used, okay, maybe it's very clinky, very clinky, clinky, extremely <laughs> clinky. Oh yeah, because that's what it—it's because the chains clink, right? That's what they mean. Clink, clink. Uh, so I say, uh, face punched Buffy right after, like Buffy and Angel thought, like she's just on the receiving end of a lot of abuse, uh, two scenes in a row from like maybe romantic partners. It's a very, I mean, this is a larger thing in this whole episode, but there's just so much domestic abuse this episode. <laughs> like, yeah. all over. Faith is so wild. Faith is just, like, crazy wild. I mean, this isn't the most wild Faith is. I mean, that's coming, but... <laughs> all right. Faith just seems like a really wild child. Like, just crazy. She's, She's over, listening to her heavy like over, metal. Over-sexualized, and it's just overcompensating right that's that's why she's so sexual she's overcompensating for like not having girls a got issues or i don't know but it's 
Well, I mean, I do know, but. Um, I also like, I mean, it's funny, you mentioned all, earlier that this episode, Xander tries to claim to be a reader, but he's not. And then Buffy gets caught reading and is like, oh, Faith and her wacky books. Like, I like trying to frame somebody else as a reader who's <laughs> clearly not a reader uh, might, in fact, be illiterate. <laughs> There's a lot of lying about reading in, in this episode. So uh, right. this next thing here uh, is about Mr. Platt. So uh, Platt, uh, great character that gets introduced. Like he has a lot of tics, a lot of interesting mannerisms. Like I was excited for Mr. Platt, but he gets only one scene and no funeral. <laughs> it's very <laughs> sad because it was like introduction of a great, like, you know, a great non-white character who had like a lot of interesting like bits to add to it. It was like challenging Buffy in a significant and interesting way, like with his kind of therapy scenes and to see that like happen and like see Buffy respond to it. It was like, Oh man, this, we can maybe move beyond some of these like basic relationship stuff and like develop some more interesting aspects of this character. Nope. This was just a one-off. Yeah. No, I mean, he dies similar to the uh, teacher in the science teacher in season one. Who's like, Buffy, you've got potential. I'm going to go die now. (laughs) <laughs> sorry a teacher who wasn't giles took too much interest in you okay so maybe the rule is and this will be a prediction later if a teacher gives good advice good actionable advice to buffy they have to die immediately all right i'm gonna <laughs> that episode that episode is that episode. explicit to teachers because i feel like platt is not really a teacher okay it's just like adult figures or if a non-joycer giles gives actionable advice to buffy <laughs> that will help her understand herself or her relationships with others. They die that episode always. I like that. That's a good prediction. <laughs> gotta be really like gotta be like a lawyer, obviously with you guys. I've been taking yeah. legal courses on the side. And you've been practicing to be a lawyer your entire life, Mike. Come on. Come That's on. Very, very <laughs> so um, I forgot the plan. So the actor that plays the counselor is, um, actually goes on to be a really awesome character in the TV show Scrubs. He's Hooch. Um, and there's this amazing bag of Turner and Hooch, two doctors at uh, Sacred Heart and Scrubs. And uh, they're always trying to get them together. Anyways, and Hooch is crazy. So that actor Hooch has- Hooch is crazy. Hooch is crazy. And so the actor plays this really over the top um, uh, character in Scrubs, like all seven seasons. like. It's a minor character. It's like Jonathan in this in this series, but uh, he has like more lines. But uh, so, so the actor, and I totally didn't realize he was in this until I saw this episode again after seeing Scrubs, because I avoid the season three of Buffy mostly in my personal life. So I hadn't seen this in like you avoid season three. It's been amazing so far. Yeah, you know, it's like a, it's like a, a rocket launch that you don't come back from. This one really stresses you out this whole season. This whole season's got to be on edge. Uh, That scene with uh, after he dies uh, and Sarah Michelle Gellar is just uh, pouring her heart out to his corpse. I just was like, this is some strong acting chops. Uh, That's classic Buffy Buffy fate. She finally connects with someone who's a good influence on her life and they end up dead. That's just poetic. Uh, John, you have a comment about therapists on TV? 
Yeah, it just seems like uh, therapists on TV are either completely ineffective, like I'm thinking about like Frazier on Cheers, which is like, a, <laughs> like the idea that he would help anybody is kind of a joke. And then there's like other portrayals of therapists on TV are like this guy and like the, um, the therapist on West Wing, who are just absolute magical wonder people who like get right at your soul in the first 30 seconds. Um, I don't feel like there's a lot in between where like your therapy is a long process. Uh, I guess, about, I don't know. Uh, Counselor Troy is more of, oh, I never watched Sopranos. I'm uh, missing that party. There was a Rick and Morty uh, episode. I, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, if you're saying Troy is somewhere in between, like Troy is like literally the least effective human being. No, she's a terrible, terrible therapist. Yeah. But I guess there's a sense with her that like her therapy for Barkley is sort of like helping over the long term. Yeah, maybe. I sense you're uncomfortable still. Barkley! (laughs) (laughs) So I was just thinking the Pickle Rick episode of Rick and Morty that I watched recently, there's a therapist on it and like it's in a one of those like clairvoyant therapists that sees the exact problems with every character. And it's like, it's so unreal, but that it's frustrating as a viewer. Like there's no <laughs> therapist that can see things so clearly, but she's a therapist slash a uh, person that deals with uh, people that eat their own feces or whatever. So it's like this weird character thing they do. You guys don't watch crazy as girlfriend, but there's a really, the therapist in that show uh, is really fun. Crazy uh, John, uh, you have a fun fact about wattage. Oh, yes. So um, uh, Pete uh, insults Scott by saying his mom has the wattage of a Zippo lighter. If anybody wanted to know, a Zippo lighter puts out about 22 watts of heat. Just, just for anybody who wanted to know that. And if I'm wrong about that, I challenge our viewers to, uh, to tweet at us and tell me that I'm wrong. Does Scott Find have worse friends than Buffy? Like, are Scott's friends worse than Buffy's friends? Yes. Yeah, I mean, obviously. <laughs> yes, they're terrible. <laughs> yeah. I do, um, like, if, if they turned out to not, have not been, like, killer and victim, like, I just think there's something interesting about, like, the Buffy gang getting these tiny little glimpses into, like, normal high school life, right? I think that's potentially interesting. But, like, I mean, obviously that isn't, what, like, Scott's the most normal guy on the show, but his friend's a, is a Jekyll Hyde somehow. Yeah, I I kind of liked um, the moment where uh, Scott is super embarrassed uh, of his friends in front of his significant other. Uh, I feel like yeah. that happens every time you start dating somebody is that you start looking at your friends and you're like, oh, this is how we look from the outside. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? <laughs> no, I mean, if you're embarrassed of your friends, like, then you're clear, then you need to change your identity. Like, it's that weird moment where yeah it's like these worlds don't connect uh maybe these friends aren't going to be a part of this relationship because you know we've all had relationships where your friends don't follow and it's like that's a strange feeling that you're like oh i gotta change my identity to i'm clearly totally who i am to date this person uh just like you don't hang out with your coworkers and your friends exactly can't be two people at once uh, so I say there's a point in this episode where both Buffy and Willow think that their significant others might be the killer. And maybe this moves more into themes later, but like, what does that say about both of them? That this is like the relationships they're in or used to be in or whatever. 
Well, also that their first move is to just like prove that it's not them, not to like deal with it or do anything about it, but to uh, sort of like, oh no, I got to prove that he's innocent in some way or like right. chain him up. But, but both of us are dating people or used to date people or whatever that are potential murderers. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Yeah, that's um, interesting. That's There's cool. a lot there. I think the most interesting is they don't talk about that later on, right? That would be the, that, that's what you want. You want that convo. I don't think they talk about it later on like that. Like they won't, they don't, they don't both say, Hey, they don't like sit down at the bronze and be like, hey, remember that time where well, they can't because Buffy's not being straight about her situation yet. Willow is a little, at least kind of facing that possibility. Buffy is not like, she's so like wishy-washy about the thing with Giles that John pointed out perfectly in the summary where she's not addressing it. It's so frustrating. Uh, this Beth Buffy not telling everyone about Angel being on the loose is so frustrating because he killed Jenny Calendar. He's a killer. He's tortured Giles. He's a bad person. Everyone needs to be jealous. Sure That's be jealous, Mike. No long-term consequences. You know what? I was drunk. I wasn't me. Like he, it's he can't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, like Pete. Pete's the no, same he's right. way. That's like I mean, that's you can't. Yeah. I mean, Pete's People got this magical attack. green goo that he drinks and he acts like a weirdo and then he doesn't need it anymore. It's so called like, Surge. We've been over this. <laughs> <laughs> and like, Angela uh, says, Ugh. I mean, obviously the show is going to deal with it and be okay with Angelus being, or Angel be, having been Angelus. They have to because he saves Buffy at the end of this episode. And like, it's gonna, I see him on the DVD covers for later seasons. So there's no way he's going away. And he has a series. Allegedly, uh, Mike, you got the next comment about Rage Monster. Oh man, I didn't know I wanted to see Rage Monster Pete versus a werewolf, but this was an amazing setup, and it was wonderful to watch. Like just after hearing Pete be described by his, you know, girlfriend as a fucking mess, and like he he gets so angry, <laughs> and then like the Oz matchup, it was like, okay, I hate this domestic abuser guy. I hate him and the Jekyll Hyde scenario. And then Oz gets out and it's like, it's just like this unleashed rages. It was like the werewolf, I'm sorry, werewolf, uh, Wolverine Sabretooth kind of mashups that happen all the time in X-Men, but it was like more emotionally resonant. It was fun. Yeah. There's like, I mean, this is one of those weird episodes where like the main fights are this rage monster fighting a werewolf and a vampire and like, the Slayers are barely kind of connected to it, but it's just like, it's weird to see like all these men fighting on this show. And it's like, there's a whole genre of movies that are like the monster versus monster movie, you know? And I'm going to recommend one as a as in a wreck, but like, there's a ton of like Frankenstein versus the werewolf and kind of things like, it's a total like monster, like subgenre that's like a charge when you're like, yes, which who would win kind of thing, you know? Is there a Dr. Jekyll versus werewolf? Is that a well? Is that one exist? Uh, that is going to be my recommendation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dennis, <laughs> we love you. <laughs> uh, so I say, uh, I think this episode is trying to say something about men. Hashtag not all men. Um, hashtag JK. But it's just like the like they keep repeating it. Like face says it. Like, Call of the Wild says it. The therapist says it. Giles kind of says it. They're like, all men are beasts. Underneath them, 
you know, I mean, it's just funny. Just it keeps coming up, and Giles has like his extended metaphor about like monsters and men. Um, totally, right, I get it. I get what the theme of this episode is. Thank you very <laughs> much. Uh, all right, uh, Mike, you stay. Angel kills. Oh yeah, uh, Angel kills another high school student as a rage monster. Buffy should definitely date Angel. He's great. Like, like she literally watches him murder someone, but you know he's bad. Like, Angel he's got is, pants. What else? What else do you want? Uh, <laughs> but he's still in rage face. He immediately then, after killing, goes into beautiful Angel face. Uh, it's just you're seeing the worst behavior. Like, yeah, they're in rage mode, I guess. So it's okay that they kill someone, yeah. but like. Angel's not Batman. You know, like Batman's like, I'm going to try not to kill you. You know, occasionally stuff happens. I know old school Batman used a gun or whatever, but like Angel makes, <laughs> like he's so wild and it's a rad scene, but it's also like, how could you trust this person? Like he's... I also, like Buffy, they don't cover up this murder, right? Because when I first saw it, I was like, are they going to like hide Pete's body? But like they don't because like it just gets found or whatever. So then like, Two, because she doesn't tell everybody Angel's back. So to that, to everybody else, they're like, I guess Buffy just snapped that guy's neck. Like, <laughs> and that's I, okay. Oh my gosh, you're totally right. Uh. So, do you think like if you were, um, you know, uh, basically a serial killer, but you had remorse about it, and you wanted to, you know, deal with like like you wanted someone to love you, but you didn't really want to stop being a serial killer. Do you think you might like, you know, prey on someone young and naive and like date someone way long younger than you should to try to keep that behavior up? That might be how that dynamic works out. Yeah, that sounds right. Sounds like a great way to keep all your abnormal behavior to appear normal by dating someone that doesn't know what normal is. That sounds great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Hashtag this is not normal, Buffy. Yeah. I think Angel's kind of a kind of a horrible person. I think he's kind of a predator. He's. So I, I really? said this, this vampire. You think he's a predator? <laughs> we should so, see what he did to his family. <laughs> so we said uh, that I said this earlier ish, but like Buffy needs to tell everyone about Angel immediately. Like, this is not cool. I am bothered. She should be bothered. Why is she hiding it? It makes me angry at her. So we all are not virgins. We know how this thread moves so do you want to make a prediction about how that what what happens next with that at some point uh i mean it's going to get resolved immediately like it cannot last like this can't go on i mean buffy cannot hide angel for much longer so it's just a quick like he's literally at the school protecting her and it happened that no one else was there to see it and that the person that did see it was murdered so he can't tell anyone that there was this naked man that <laughs> appeared. So it sounds to me like you, you're predicting we that the, the, the gang is going to find out the next episode. Is that the prediction you're making? I mean, Angel's been in this show since last episode. Was it last episode? Yeah. Uh, yeah, where he appeared and now he's maybe murdering people. Uh, yes. I mean, it'll be very soon. Um, it feels, I, I feel like the name of the next episode makes it super clear it's going to be this one. Oh, okay. Uh, but like, 
I so actually that, couldn't remember when I asked you to predict. So maybe I'm maybe it's the next episode called about. Homecoming. So it seems super obvious that that will be the one from the name of it, uh, of the episode. So I, yeah, I mean it'll happen immediately. But I don't know. I don't know if how people will forgive Buffy for this because okay, we Giles we can do predictions in a minute. Okay. I didn't realize we we're already up to Homecoming. That's exciting. Questions. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go to questions. Um, Mike, you got the first one. Sure. Uh, so in this episode, uh, Oz has some notes that he offers someone to use. Uh, it's just like a dumb question. But have you ever borrowed anyone else's notes? And are those notes ever useful to anyone other than you? I feel like I take notes, but they're never useful to anyone else. I would never volunteer them. My own notes are barely legible to me, much less someone else. I don't yeah, feel, I like, think, I don't feel I, like it's a thing. I can't remember a specific time, but I feel like I've borrowed somebody else's notes and they've been like, cause some people are hella more organized than me. Right. But my notes are literally just drawings and <laughs> like don't help anybody. And I can't even like, <laughs> uh, but I feel like it's happened. Like maybe I've had an ex-girlfriend who was more organized than I was and wrote like, you know, actual like dotted notes, but I can't remember a scene. Yeah. I, I bet doctor notes are good, right? For doctor school. You guys got to keep tight doctor notes. Yeah. You have a lot of notes, I guess, but I don't, you don't bother. You don't borrow anyone else's. If you well, if uh, every prescription I've ever gotten is an indicator, then doctors cannot write. That's a stereotype. <laughs> it's been true in my experience. <laughs> okay. So I was just looking at episode uh, titles. If it's not homecoming, it has to be this one called Revelations. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is, there, is there an episode called Everyone Finds Out About Angel? Uh, is that called an episode after that? Homecoming, <laughs> Revelations, uh, Enemies. Oh, There's so many. T- all these well, it could, have, it could be any of them then. No, so it's you not don't know. Any. No, it's these four. It's either Homecoming, Revelations, Enemies, or <clears throat> Choices. It could be band candy in which, uh, you know, it metaphorically Angel's secret identity is like a candy that Buffy's band of friends consumes. <laughs> we should have said uh, sexual. I'm going to, I should just take the episode list and then tell you what's going to happen in each episode based on. I think that's a lovely thought. Okay. Maybe. Uh, uh, John, you ask. Uh, yeah. Faith has a, uh, these wonderful bookends for masculinity. So uh, she asks, um, you know, so I want to ask you guys, do you identify more as a manimal or as Mr. I love the English patient? And I want everybody to say which one they are. Uh, I've never seen the English patient, so I guess I'm a manimal. <laughs> Travis? I've never seen the English patient either. Or maybe so that, I haven't, I didn't like it. So that make you a manimal? That's the only other option, I guess. Okay. You know, I feel like the modern version of the... I, I, I really like Pitch Perfect. Actually. So maybe that makes actually. me... I feel it like Pitch Perfect would be like the, like the least masculine thing you could enjoy, right? No, I'm no, not no. even sure what that is. <gasps> what? It's... You don't know... You're still... Oh, man. We got, we got to do some Pitch Perfect. Okay. Mike, which one are you? English patient guy. Yeah, I feel like I, I've never seen English Patient either, but I feel like I didn't realize that was a requirement for being 
Mr. I love the English patient. I feel like I'm closer to that than I am to being manimal. Uh, I've seen the English patient. Did you guys not see it when that was a thing? Weren't you working in a movie theater when that got released? I didn't have a girlfriend then. There was no like reason for me to go to that. I think I saw it with my mom. (laughs) (laughs) I just, I just know the Seinfeld episode. So much of this podcast comes into focus. Uh, all right. Uh, I so I asked. Um, I'm not. I'm, we're talking about traumatic movies we saw with Mike. I still remember this movie Seven that he that I went to see with him in theaters. And I was like 13. I feel like we almost got kicked out, but your dad's like, "Oh no, they're with me." <laughs> Do you remember this, Mike? Your little sister was in that in that theater as well, watching Seven. She was like 10. Uh, yeah, I mean, I remember watching it because it was super effective. Um, but I don't, I'm, oh, I'm with my dad. Yeah, do we have like paper bags full of popcorn too, or something weird wow. that he brought from home so he wouldn't have to pay for popcorn? <laughs> That's like your dad. I just remember just being like, man, well, we're gonna. Get I remember paper. us not being able to get into Scream Two because we weren't old enough. I remember that. That was at the Danbury Dollar Saver. Yeah, I was like, what the? Fuck? Obviously, we've seen yeah, Scream One. This is fucking bullshit. <laughs> That was a great theater. Man, movies when you're a yeah. kid. Uh, I remember going to see uh, Universal Soldier at that theater. Anyway. Ooh. Danbury Dollar Saver. It was a dollar. It was so yeah. good. You could go see a movie for a dollar in a movie theater. It was great. I saw K-Pax there because it was a dollar. And what, <laughs> I mean, it was only a dollar. Why not? I mean, it was I. We have a $3 theater awful. in Santa Rosa, which is the modern equivalent. But like $3 is still... Oh, that's place. great. Really? There's so few second run theaters left. I know. Yeah. It's um, the same chain that does the first run theaters. So somehow they're able to do it. I don't know. But it's great because it's also literally like 20 feet away from a bar. So I'll have to work sometimes go drink like two beers and then go see a movie. That sounds awesome. That's a good afternoon. It's a great way to be lonely. <laughs> Seriously. Oh, sorry. I didn't mean to laugh at the lonely part. Hold on. No. <laughs> edit, edit that out. <laughs> no, 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 it's good. Uh, so I say, uh, this show barely at all explains the Hyde formula. Um, does that bother anybody? No, I feel like it's yeah. shorthand. We we don't need to have read Jekyll and Hyde to... But, no, like, I mean, just like how he makes like, the potion. is not a fucking scientist. Like... They don't even like, they're not even like, this is my friend Pete. He's pretty smart. Hey, Willow, he'd give you a run for the money for like science, you know? Like, yeah, that is a little weird. In the early seasons, they would do that. They would at least be like, this is the guy who beats Willow in the science fair every year. Like, they're like, Pete does not appear to be a scientist, but he can invent a hide formula. No, it Uh, does seem like there should be some more backstory there. Like, um, like, oh, he found his dad's old stash of like, uh, you know, military grade testosterone treatment or whatever right yeah they're trying to make a captain they were trying to make a captain america serum but something went wrong uh but also what is the advantage ever of drinking the hyde formula like i know in dr jekyll and mr hyde it's because he wants to be pure he wants to erase the darkness in him right but that's not pete's plan and like I don't see well, that. Well, no, Pete's plan is that he, I mean, it's a. It's a hyper Yeah, but Pete's, I mean, it's a, it's a nice little commentary on hyper, on, yeah, on masculinity is that, you know, you, you chase masculinity 
because you think it's going to get you girls, but that's not even how, that's not how women work and it's not how life works and it just turns into violence. I mean, I feel like that is, I, that's the thing I like about this episode. That's one of the things I like about it. But Pete. Also, it made him really gross and he had really long black fingernails. Like ladies aren't going to like that. I'm sorry. I mean, I'm sure at first it just gave him muscles or something. Oh, Whatever. we saw him near end stage. You're thinking. Yeah, exactly. I bet it started out with like, oh, he's just like taking those pills from the convenience store. Like, <laughs> like whatever big boner pills are selling behind the counter. <laughs> like, yeah, Tiger, the... Fury. Tiger Fury. Yeah, one of those. Yeah, I feel like it started out with that and then that wasn't good enough. So he like added glow stick to it at the rave. I feel like there's a story here. No, there's yeah. definitely, it's very similar to some assembly required. It is. You know, as far as like, High school science experiments gone wrong, uh, <laughs> or gone right. Yeah. It's uh, like- I also <laughs> ask um, Oz bit rage Pete. If Pete had survived, would he have become a rage wolf? Oh no! There's a monster we don't get to see. Is rage wolf? Oh, that's like the end of Turtles too. That's not a good thing. That shouldn't happen. <laughs> Super Shredder. <laughs> Numbers. There's some monsters in turtles. I mean, it's an aside. Yeah, totally. Uh, um, Toka, the snapping turtle, was invented by my friend Steve Bissett, who was really this. Yes, he's not credited in the movie, but he got money for it, and he's credited elsewhere. Uh, That's fantastic. Like and he has been on our podcast. That's right. <laughs> Yeah. He created the snapping turtle mutant. That's um, pretty cool. Yeah, he used to do some work for the turtles. Uh, all right, you want to move on to... I mean, I feel like there's only one theme, deep stuff, but it's like I had other notes, but I was like, no, this encapsulates it. This yeah, is, me too. This is basically it's the whole episode. This is the episode. Ready? You ready to get in, guys? Yeah, and then this, this question feels like a good style of question to ask about Buffy in general, which is the how'd they do. So yep. this episode, at least the last 10 minutes, when they kind of introduced how messed up Pete is, and it's like he's responsible for all these deaths, but it's partly about domestic abuse and alcoholism. How'd they do? Well, my big problem with this is uh, the victim blaming that Buffy and Willow engage in that the episode doesn't question, uh, where yeah. they corner her, and they're basically like, they're so harsh with her and they basically are like, it's your fault because you aren't doing anything about it. And so I Googled this really quick and this is from um, the uh, Center for Relationship Abuse Awareness. Uh, this is a quote from their webpage. Uh, victim blaming attitudes marginalize the victim slash survivor and make it harder to come forward and report the abuse. So it's doing the opposite work that they, in real life, it does the opposite work that they're trying to do, right? If the survivor knows that you or society blames the survivor for the abuse, she or he will not feel safe or comfortable coming forward and talking to you. The victim blaming attitudes also reinforce exactly what the abuser has been saying all along, that it is the victim's fault that this is happening, which is totally what Buffy and Willow do. And the episode is not critical about that. And that sucks. I think storytelling wise though, they're both acting that way because they both are like upset about their own, like that their own significant others are monsters. Right. It's the same way that Buffy is like hella harsh on Chanterelle slash um, Emily. Anne. Anne. 
like when she's like, your boyfriend's dead. He's never coming back. Like, <laughs> yeah, I feel like in that moment we're, we're meant to be more critical of Buffy than we are uh, the Buffy slash Willow team up in this one. I felt like it feels like the episode is really on their side for some reason to me. I'm not sure I have a reason why. I just feel like I can follow their logic, but you're right that the episode should be very clear then about like that their logic is wrong. But like, right. talking about uh, Anne. Yeah. Okay. Well, so when, in the episode um, Anne, yeah, Buffy is super harsh, but it's clear in that episode that what, but that Buffy's dealing with something and that she's not really speaking from a place of authority. Whereas in this episode, where um, we come down on uh, what's her name. Uh, Debbie. Debbie, yeah. When they come down on Debbie, to me, Debbie. It, it reads it, it really reads as like these are the heroes telling her what she needs to hear. Um, I which... don't know. Well, okay. I also just recently, because I'm an idiot or something, I rewatched the second season of Dollhouse. Um, well, you are an idiot. <laughs> Ooh, that's that's stuff that's... to watch while I was doing like busy work. That's uh, but the Dollhouse does the exact same thing that Anne and this episode does, where Eliza Dushku has a freak out about like he's dead, he's never coming back, and it like leashes into it. It's clearly about her. It's clearly about her friend who just died, right? I think it's like a writing trope that the Buffy mm. writers are into. The like, I'm just not convinced they're doing it here. I agree that what you're talking describing is a thing. It's just it's not clear to me that that's what's yeah, happening it's here. Not, it's, I think you're totally right. It's not made clear. I think I just think I I'm seeing the characters like chain of logic that leads to that. Right. But the episode should be make more clear about like how fucked up what they're doing is. And they yeah. do, it does have the line of like, I think we broke her. But then Buffy is like, she was broken. Long yeah. And they, like, I think that's what does it for me is that last moment where she's like, well, fuck her basically. Like, right. Yeah. And she ends and up now dead, she's going to fucking you know? die. Like, also yeah, and she dies. Like, <laughs> so this, this is interesting. So I just heard LeVar Burton speak at a conference this past week. Uh, That's really cool. from reading rainbow and he made this interesting point during that talk which was that all media is education he's people were like oh mm-hmm. reading rainbow is great it's great educational content but it's like no it's all educational it all teaches you about society it teaches you how to behave and yeah I, they do a this is a d or an f job as far as you know buffy uh and i guess willow trying to tell someone who's domestically abused to, what what to do next uh, and they're not good allies to her, and it's not mm-hmm. cool. And Travis, you're making a fun face. <laughs> this Lavar Burton joke or thing it reminds me of this joke on the TV show Broad City, <laughs> where the one character is always saying, "No, all pornography is child pornography." Lavar <laughs> Burton thinks like, "No, all media is something or whatever." Educational, yeah. All media is educational, but there's this recurring joke where one character tells every human she can find that all that pornography is all child pornography, and then the child pornography is something else, and it's such a strange thing. <laughs> but it's the whole series. I'm like, what? Lamar Burton. All is. But I, I mean, I think Lavar is right, though. Uh, may I call oh, yeah. Lavar? Um, <laughs> I, I mean, that's something like. Right. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, John's ex Colleen would talk about it. Uh, not those exact words, but it's the thing of like um, the media that's not meant to be representation, like not meant to be smart or whatever, is the media that's more representational of like culture 
right? Yeah. So like the example is like Independence Day is more representational of like culture in the 90s and stuff than like, I don't know, whatever the smart 90s movie is. Then yeah, no, patient. totally. Then yes. what? Then the English patient. I don't know why I heard Anastasia. Anastasia. Uh, Fern Gully. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Fern Gully. Yeah, so, I mean, I think that the episode is, is overtly anti-abuse, right? But then it, 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 it tags in this other thing. Right, yeah, it wants to... Go ahead, sorry. Oh, I, was, I found the quote I was looking for for Broad City, and that's, <laughs> all Hollywood media is porn, and all porn is kitty porn. Like, it's the craziest thing. <laughs> So you should watch Broad City, man. So I make a lot more sense. But the whole of Bar Burton thing just tripped me up. Linoleum's the new pornography, man. We should find out who, who that is credited to on the internet, actually. That won't be right. The linoleum line? Yeah. Isn't that just <laughs> it's an altruistic line. I know, but it, did anyone ever submit it to, you know, lyrics.com? IMDb. Oh, yeah, you need to be on Rap Genius. Get all your altruistic songs on Rap Genius. <clears throat> where you can talk about the meaning of you can write in the meaning and stuff of the song yeah yeah so the pete stuff bothered me because it was right at the end and then it was really intense because i didn't see it coming i mm. actually thought they were going to blame angel for a while and that angel was responsible that was at least the way the show was leading me because i didn't think it would be oz and then oh no it's this third character pete the third beast like john says in the summary and like he's so angry and unlikable in that one scene. I have no empathy for him whatsoever, but I'm really sad for Debbie. And then she's, she equates it to alcoholism. It happens right there. It's very clear. You know, you drink that thing and you, he's like, I don't need it anymore <laughs> to get this way. Uh, yeah, I think that, that that piece of it clouds the issue. Um, the, this is the second time, like when we watch Go Fish, right? Where we have this, you know, sort of critique of masculinity that is clouded a little bit by, in that case, like steroids, right? And in this right. case, steroids or alcohol or whatever the substance abuse you take it to be a metaphor for. I think it kind of clouds the thing you're trying to get at. I don't feel like it, I feel like it's doesn't work. Because he's, his goal is he's taking the, the surge in order to be someone that she would prefer to be with, right? He's trying right. to become more masculine or whatever, you know, more yes, masculine. Which they mention only briefly, but they do say it. So and he's after like, masculinity and strength, and that's to attract it to her. But it turns him into a rage monster because he's not a scientist and doesn't know what he's doing. And so we'll just assume he's got an overinjection of testosterone, and it turns him into a rage monster. And then he's cruel to her and then kills her because of his jealousy. I mean, he kills Platt because he's jealous because she's tell he's telling her not to be with him. And then who's the other? There's another student that gets killed that like she's maybe allying with. It's her band camp play around, buddy. So he's killing off all these rivals or people that want to protect her or like tell her. Anyone, basically anyone else in her life. Right. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. that seems like in the real domestic abuse scenario, you don't kill, you just isolate. Right. So it's like, you know, you keep people from people that could tell them what they're doing is crazy. That it's, you know, whatever it is, is not normal. So it's like that that seems on point as far as like how that behavior works. But then the lack of true empathy from Willow and Buffy is sad. And so she just ends up dead at the end. And then he ends up dead. It's like, cool, case closed, next episode. And like, yeah, yeah. My, yeah. my thought is this episode could have been a lot more powerful 
if actually there was less death because then it would be more realistic. So the, the, the Pete, whatever, he should just simply beat up these other people or like torch their car or, um, you know, file false charges and not actually kill any of them because most domestic abuse, there's an actual murder. There's always yeah, but I also feel like you guys, like John was also saying like, oh, the magic formula like clouds the issue. Like this is Buffy the Vampire Slayer. It's about monsters. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. you can't betray the central idea of the show. It it does it's about vampires. vampires. Yeah. The vampire in this show was on Buffy's side right now. And they do go out of their way to say specifically it's not the formula because he that was just him. Yeah, right. I was saying it was yeah. always which leads. Yeah. I mean, they I do out of really that. that kind of last line about like, oh, now I'm gonna think, gonna have heavy thoughts all day or whatever it was. Like, Dude, pretty sure Cordelia was like really or good on Cordelia for being out most of this episode. Uh, yeah, too bad Buffy and Willow aren't gonna have heavy thoughts. Yeah, the people who showed no, not at all, definitely not. And too bad, like, um, yeah. I, just another aside here, like, modern domestic abuse, to handle this now, I think you can't be as heavy-handed because we know that domestic abuse, or at least maybe just because I'm an adult and I can address this differently, is more psychological. People are more scared to abuse because they know that that could get them in jail or jeopardize their, if they're divorced, you know, custody or whatever the situation is, if they have kids. It's like violent violence can cause problems for you. So the abuse tends to be more psychological and weird. I mean, there's still physical violence still is very common. Um, oh, I'm not, not saying it doesn't way. exist. I'm just saying it's, there's this another realm of psychological right. abuse that isn't, isn't there's well described. It feels and like psychological violence is way more common. I was listening to on the media about sexual harassment, for instance, and it's talking about one of the problems with sexual harassment is that we don't understand what it is. Like we know the term, but we are not, people don't share their stories. So we don't have a good examples of what it is. And I think the same is true yeah. of domestic abuse where because people don't share their stories of domestic abuse, we don't have good examples. And so we lean towards these exaggerations of domestic abuse about how it's psychological, like it's, it's actually getting punched in the face. But like when that happens, it's over. The relationship is over. There's, it's cl- so super clear. But in reality, like the domestic abuse is so much more undermining and strange, like, uh, you know, could be involved stealing, could involve manipulation, lying, telling stories to other people about people, like gaslighting, like you said, like there's so many other weirder things that happen. Anyway, just to jump to like the the thing here, which this is a bad example of domestic abuse. It's a bad example of getting to like help people. It's like bad media on that account. And modern reads, of course, 20 years later, it's easier to do that. But anyway, just that out there because all the sexual harassment reading about the weinstein era you know that's happening during this taping this show being happening like was it 99 shakespeare in love wins an academy award this is 98 this is the lead up to that period weinstein is actively sexually uh abusing or harassing women who are remaining silent and part of it is because the media that was coming out like this media is not doing a good job of telling people what sexual harassment is in a way that they can actually talk about and same with domestic abuse. It does a bad job of saying what domestic abuse is because it says it's violence. So anyway, just filling in the gaps for the 90s here. It's like became really clear to me watching this. Yeah, in my monologue. Um, <laughs> I feel like it was uh, clear to like, that, that right up, I just wanted to recommend is uh, my friend Nomi Kane, who I work with, she did a comic for The Nib, which is like um, editorial comics website 
called like uh, 10 times I was sexually abused just off the top of my head. And it was like a list of 10 times and she drew them out. Um, and then she did a follow-up comic to that that was all re the response, real responses from people being like, that's not sexual abuse. You like agreed to it and like, or all this stuff. And it was like, only one of these was really sexual abuse. So like, just speaking of your thing about like, we don't know what sexual abuse looks like because it's misrepresented. That's like a very clear example. Like, um, so I would recommend it going on the nib and finding for comics because um, they're good. Uh, all right, uh, yeah, I want to move on that. to kill count and stuff. Yeah, yeah, let's lighten the mood a little bit. All right, we have four dead humans, and that is pretty low for season three so far, but uh, still a lot of dead humans. Um, so there we go. And then my recommendations. Um, so uh, there's this Spanish writer, director, producer, actor called Paul Nashi, who has made like, I don't know, eight werewolf movies, and they all st star him as the werewolf. Um, or El Hombre Lobo. Uh, and the one I'll recommend, because it's the most on point, is Dr. Jekyll and the Werewolf. Ah, um, awesome. he's, he's a, like, and these are great examples of misogyny in movies, because these are like, this dude is like, he looks like the Spanish Jim Belushi or something, but he always casts himself as like the beautiful man who women like can't, but he's like abusive to them in like, classic machismo ways. Um, so it's like, this fits perfectly into this. Um, I also recommend as a Dr. Jekyll movie, uh, the Hammer 1970s movie, Dr. Jekyll and Sister Hyde, which has a gender swap as the formula. Um, and then I thought of some more domestic abuse movies, but I don't know if we want them. Uh, <laughs> Uh, can I add to the recommendations list uh, Jacob's Ladder for the uh, floppy head effect? Yeah, good call. <laughs> uh, and uh, uh, Not Dead But Dreaming on YouTube. Uh, uh, yes, and Not Dead But Dreaming by our good friend. Juice. Yes, and, and Broad City on Hulu. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. All right. Uh, we got anything else, guys? Uh, was I going to make predictions, or I guess oh, I yeah. made them in John? Get, I, let's we, let's look at old predictions first. Okay. So, okay, so we had a guest predictor at one point, uh, Kristen, way back in season one, episode five, and she was aware that Eliza Dushku was going to be on this show at some point, and so she made some predictions relating to that. And we've already established that uh, her predictions will count, um, positive or negative, towards Mike's total. So, um, starting off, just to be clear. Before we make these adjustments that we're about to make, Mike, you are currently at a 73%, so kind of a solid C. And uh, Kristen predicted that Eliza Dushku's appearance will be connected with something bad happening. We're also um, confirming or denying predictions from uh, Faith Open Trick, because we didn't get to do that because I was not there. Um, so what do you guys think? Was is that, I'm not really, that's a very vague statement. I'm not really sure if that's confirmed or denied. Dennis, what do you think? We'll make you the arbiter of this one. Uh, Dennis is... Oh, yeah. Dennis. Sorry. Uh, can you repeat the prediction? Yes. Eliza Dushku's appearance will be connected with something bad happening. Uh, well, she only appears because Kendra dies, so yes. Okay. So we'll go ahead and give Mike credit for that one. Brilliant. Uh, so that is confirmed. Uh, and that was confirmed during Faith Open Trick, correct? 
Yes. Okay. So that was confirmed in season three, episode three. Cool. Okay, we've got a few more to uh, go through here. Sorry, it's quite a bit of paper uh, paperwork here for these predictions. Um, <laughs> so in season two, episode 15, when we first discovered Oz was a werewolf, Mike predicted, let's just say Oz's werewolf powers are going to come in handy ellipses. I would say that that is confirmed. What do you guys think? Yep, then it says it's confirmed. Yes. So it is confirmed during uh, oops, season three, episode four. Cool. Okay. Uh, Mike also predicted then that Oz will save Willow as a werewolf. Now, does he save Willow? I mean, you could argue that in this episode he saves Willow, but it's not really direct. So what do you guys think? Travis, not what yet. do you think? Does Oz save Willow in this episode? He's not sure. I think we're going to go ahead and leave that one open. I say this is neither confirmed nor denied. All right, very good. Now, Mike predicted uh, in season two, episode 22, that Homeless Angel will appear again. Now, I know this isn't what he meant when he said it. We would see another flashback to 90s Homeless Angel. But this angel is homeless. And he does uh, appear. He literally appears in midair. He's got a mansion. He appears in his own mansion. He doesn't own that. It's not a mansion. It's a mausoleum, isn't it? No, no, it's a mansion. No, it's his mansion. Okay. It's where all the dolls were there. This is where they used to... Oh, okay. All right. Fine. He's not homeless. All right. Very good. Okay. All right. Now, there's some other ones that relate to the angel dreams that Buffy was having at the beginning of season three. So Mike predicted that we would get at least three more angel dreams, which I know we didn't. So that one's denied, correct? Correct. Got to deny that one. Mike, you should really start predicting angel flashbacks. That's a pro tip. Well, he did when he said we would see homeless angel again. Uh, so he also suggested that something supernatural is causing the dreams of angel to happen. So what do you guys think? Was that supernatural or do you think she was just having angel dreams? I think that one is kind of undecided. I don't yeah. think they really I mean, supernatural. I don't think it's clear yet. Will it become clear? Because we could leave it open forever. Uh, Mike, can you leave the room? No, <laughs> uh, just keep it open right now. The room. I could we'll leave it open? Okay. It open. Oh, but I'm going to edit this later, so it doesn't, don't do that. Yeah. Panel says leave it open. All right. Okay. I think it's true, but leave it open. Mike also predicted that Buffy will get back into school. That happened in season three, episode three. Finally, I'm so glad it didn't take that long. Yep. And the whole show would be about her getting back in school. That'd be yep. such a cool season. What? <laughs> and it then she has it. to repeat senior year, yeah. but everybody else has graduated. Everyone's in college and she has to get entirely new friends. Oh, man. Oh, okay. so sad. So that is uh, all of the uh, predictions that we can uh, confirm or deny today. And at this point, uh, Mike, you are still at a 73. So even though we had some, it wasn't enough to tip it. Uh, you, you went up a little bit by a fraction of a percentage point, but you're still at a 73. Great. How do you feel about that? Do you have an emotional reaction to that number? No, I'm feeling good. I feel like I'm going to make some good predictions today that are going to okay. pan out well. Yeah, well, I've actually noticed there's um, some big predictions. I, I feel like up. there was one Mike predicted I remember. I haven't looked okay. at the list. But yeah. didn't Mike predict that angel wouldn't come back until after buffy got with spike i do not recall that 
Uh, let me find it. Oh, yeah. You're absolutely right. Wow, I totally missed that one. Angel will be back in season three after Buffy hooked up with Spike. Mike predicted that uh, towards the end of season two. So, yeah, you're totally right. That is definitely denied. Wow, well, good. Well remembered, Dennis. I, I missed that one. Uh, so that, Mike, puts you at a 71.7, 72 if you round it off. So you did lose a percentage point. Uh, well, I just have to make more predictions. And so each of the bad ones are worth less, obviously. Yeah, but if they're all bad predictions, that's not going to, strategy is not going to work for you. I got that great one that I hope you captured this week. Which I haven't captured any yet, so you're going to have to go through them all. Okay, so the rule is, this is like a rule for Buffy, and I would like to get a point every time it happens. Uh, nope. Okay, so just the next time? No, that's tough because, like, that mean, that's one of those, like, we have to watch all seven seasons to count it. I think, here's the way it works. Here's the way it works, Mike. You make the prediction for this recurring event, right? Yeah. It becomes confirmed when it happens the first time, and then you re-up the prediction at that time and predict that it will happen again. Okay, so... Every time, so then, okay, just have it'll happen again. Buffy will get advice from not Giles or Joyce, and it will be good, actionable advice. That person will be killed. That episode. Or how about this, Mike? Um, or they'll die, not necessarily killed. Hold on, lawyer John. Uh, they will die, not necessarily be killed. They will die that episode. Okay, I would say maimed or die, but. Maimed. Like you should predict how many more times Buffy's going to lie to the Scooby Gang about Angel being alive. That'd be a fun prediction. Oh, the next time Buffy gets advice from an adult other than Giles or Joyce, that adult will die in that episode. Yes. Okay, got it. Oh, but it has to be like good actionable advice because like Snyder will give advice, right? But it's not okay. going to be like. Yep. Wow, oh, Snyder, you- that was really something to think about. Thank you. <laughs> Good, like, actionable advice. Got it. Like, Buffy wants to take action on the advice. Like, the way that she clearly wanted to take action on the plot advice. Right? right. Can I just say good advice? Sure. Good advice. Okay. All right. How many okay. more times is Buffy going to lie to her friends about Angel? I mean, she's going to lie until, like... I guess, guess, how many, guess how many times she'll actually lie, like... Well, I think they're going to find out, like, either oh, just next trolling. episode or in two episodes. Like, either... In, hold on, I got this list of the names of episodes. Will she deny Angel three times and the cock will crow? I mean, she's already lied a couple of times, right? <laughs> Cock's already crowed. I mean, lied. She found out about it last episode, right? Faith, Hope, and Truth. She found out about it, or was it? No, she found out about it this episode. No, no, no. He, last appeared, he appeared last episode, but she didn't find him until this episode. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. But she hasn't actually, like, lied. Like, someone's like, what were you doing last night? And it wasn't, like, taking care of yes. Angel. So not, far, it's a lie by omission. omission. At this point, is a lie. Yes. When it's involving a serial killer and stuff. Yeah. I, so, I'm trying to remember how many times, how long the Angelus thing lasted, and it was quite a while. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's going to be, I hope it's the next episode. I hope it gets resolved immediately. But it could be as long as, it could be as long as two episodes. Two more. I mean, she could lie until Revelations, which is three episodes from now, but I hope it's sooner. But, like, I, I don't know. So you're not going to make a prediction there? Yeah, I don't want prediction. to because, like, it's either one or three episodes or one or two episodes, basically. She either lies, and either rather, it's either the next episode or in two episodes. They're, they can't keep it for much longer because 
there's too many other things that have to happen this season. And this would be a huge hang up. Okay. And we want to get Angel okay. and Buffy reunited. Okay. So it sounds like there's no prediction there to be made. Well, no, like, does she tell the truth next episode or not? That's, she's not going to tell the truth. That's not okay. her. She's not. She has to be. She can't. Okay. She can't unless something really fucked up happens and then she has to reveal it. Uh, all right. So she can't. That's what your prediction is. No, she's not capable of telling the truth about this at the moment. She's hiding Angel. She's going to hide him as long as possible until they need Angel for something. Like, he broke out to save her. Okay, okay. If Buffy's in danger again, but, like, she was just in danger and no one saw it, it's like, if Buffy's in danger again, Angel will have to come save her, something like that. So what what are we predicting? Anything? Let's move on. Let's move on. Sorry, I can speculate endlessly about what I think. Yeah, let's just keep going. We're almost done with the podcast. No prediction there. All right. (laughs) None. Any other predictions you care to make, Mike? Because we really only have one. So uh, we are going to find out what happened to Angel in Hell. Oh, okay. This season, we have to. And I don't know how extensive, but we're going to find out about it. Uh, The library cage is going to get used again this season, and it's going to get upgraded because clearly there's some problems with the window. Uh, Buffy's going to hook up with Spike this season. Did I already predict that? I said before Angel. Obviously, that's wrong. Angel's in the picture now. She's going to hook up with Angel first, and then Spike. Uh, Let's see, what else? Wait a second. So we will learn what happened to Angel and Hell in season three. The library cage will be upgraded in season three. That's what I have so yep, far. Upgraded. Mm-hmm. It's going to get bars on those windows. Good. Okay. Anything else? Be better. <laughs> uh, yeah. And Buffy's going to hook up with Spike uh, this season, but she's going to hook up with Angel first and then Spike because Angel showed okay. up first. I, I actually didn't think that Angel would appear so soon. those are all my predictions at this time <laughs> okay oh wait the last one was that i'm um, sorry buffy will what buffy will hook up with angel and then spike okay hey, mike do you have a d6 yeah let me no no please use a nap sorry all right it's so much less visual uh now that we're gonna be on youtube we should have like a giant comedy die for you to right roll. and i should cut to the camera of the die being rolled that would be more exciting. yeah yeah Anyway, I'm going to bring up random.org here, which gives us um, not pseudo-random numbers, but actual random numbers based on radio noise. <laughs> okay, you rolled a one, Mike. Great. Great choice. Here's what that, here's what that means. Okay. All right. So you're actually going to have to roll again to choose a major character. So I'm going to have you roll another one. This time you rolled a five. So... Five means Cordelia. So, will Cordelia change sides from good to evil? And will it be temporary or permanent? Good to evil? Will she be? Will, will Cordelia become evil? Because lots of lots of characters become evil, or, or evil characters become good. It's a Buffy thing. It's a TV thing. Uh, will no. Cordelia become, ever become evil? And will that ever? change be temporary? Yeah, ever. Will there be an episode where, where we have evil Cordelia and will that be temporary or permanent? Yes, there will be. It will be temporary. Okay. Cordelia will be temporarily evil, not permanently evil. But she does have to, for Cordelia to be on the Angel show, which I know is going to happen as his detective show, Angel, Cordelia will have to turn 
I mean, she something's going to have to happen. She's going to have to expose the dark side or something where she understands and can empathize better with Angel. So, yes, she'll be evil temporarily. Will we count this, if it, uh, guys, if it only comes true? Because I honestly can't remember if it only comes true on Angel and not on Buffy. Will we count that? I think that's up to Travis as the Angel expert. If it happens, we'll count it. Okay. Um, well, okay. Also, how evil, like working for the destruction of humanity versus just working for the destruction of the group. I think it's just like she gets, she's, she's a bad guy. If she's like possessed by a demon, that counts. If it's just, that's how well, I imagine when I ask the question. Back to normal Cordelia. Back to like season one Cordelia. Does that count? Oh, no. Because that's just Caddy. She's not evil. Okay. Oh, have I made a prediction about bunnies yet? No. Dude, you got it. There were rabbits in this episode. <laughs> bunnies. It must be bunnies. Willow is going to have to face uh, evil bunnies. Why do you say that? Because she's scared of bunnies. Not in this episode, but she, she reported fear of bunnies. And uh, where? how did you learn about this? I don't remember. Okay. <laughs> Oh, man. Like Can I tell you guys a episode. story about spoilers that's not related to Buffy? There's a musical episode, and I remember that line from the musical episode. Maybe that's cheating. Uh, no, I don't think it's cheating. Willow will face evil bunnies. That's the prediction. Before the musical episode, obviously, but I don't know what, how, what way. Okay. Got it. That's it? So I was at this... Um, Harry Potter party last night. Uh, it's like a Halloween party, but specifically Harry Potter themed. And it was an all ages party. So there were children there and they're like most of the way through the series, but like the last third of the last book they haven't gotten to yet. So I was like fake spoiling things for them. I was like, have you gotten to the point where Harry becomes a giant and he's a giant for the rest of his life? Stuff like that. <laughs> and like, this is just, I guess how like kids are now is they were like, we already know everybody who dies because we looked it up and they started listing all the people who die at the very end of the novel. And I was like, like it freaked me out. I was like, stop, <laughs> no, stop, don't list that name. <laughs> I feel so vindicated right now as someone who looks up the plot summary to movies before they watch the movie. I'm like, Really? Because I'm describing children. <laughs> I'm evolving, bro. I'm evolving. I'm, I'm not stagnant. Yeah. It was a jarring moment. Oh, it was a totally yeah. jarring moment. Well, totally. Yeah. If, if I was going to read another, another book, I'd totally look up. Also, these kids love Harry Potter so much. And they like, or I think they listen to the books on tape, but they listened through six and a half books before they decided to just spoil the very end for themselves. Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, you don't want to get to an end of something and have it be rocky as hell. That's a bad place. Yeah, you do. <laughs> ah. That's a bad place, dude. You need, you need to be in a safe space. And then find out what's what. No, but you're like saying that <laughs> fiction can't take you on journeys, man. No, no, fiction can like, take you on a journey, but it can't leave you in hell. Yeah, it can. <laughs> I don't know, man. Like I had a weird experience, and this, like, Always these aren't my favorite prepared. books or anything, Always but like the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen books, I always read and. I kind of just didn't expect uh, the ending to the 1960s one. Like, I just didn't expect it to go to the places it went. And I was reading it, like, at be in bed late at night. And it, like, really jarred me because these are characters I've followed for, like, a hundred years, right? 
And then suddenly something like kind of shocking happens to them. And it just kind of ends in this like bleak note. I was just like, Jesus, you know, I I, I need to read that one. Then I I totally stopped reading the weird ones. Volume one and two are so good. And then I read the Nemo one. And they start jumping times and stuff. Yeah. I skipped the black dossier because that seemed like it was mostly prose. And I don't, I don't read prose. Yeah. I read comics. I'm a weird guy. I also, I also believe that endings don't necessarily matter. <laughs> so I'm a weird guy. Yeah, but I, I'm proud of those kids, man. That's awesome. That's awesome. To hear. <laughs> like, I, I think it's totally fine if out of a 400-page book you read, you read 300 pages and call it quits. You know, you can sign off like that. That's 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 okay. Or yeah, even 50 to 100 pages. Or just the back jacket, or just the title. <laughs> yeah, and then yeah. and then check it on Goodreads. Yeah. But yeah. uh, one of the recommendation, uh, I know we're winding up here. Uh, Tokyo Ghoul. Travis and I saw this movie uh, a couple weeks ago. Really fun. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. M- manga live action that, anime live awesome. action manga movie. It's really rad. So, uh, how do people? All right. Find uh, us? Let's wrap up. Yeah. People can find us on uh, Twitter at Buffy Virgin Pod, on Instagram at Buffy Virgin, on Facebook.com slash Buffy Virgin, on BuffyVirgin.com. Uh, everywhere you get your podcasts. And we're on and YouTube. You follow me. Oh, we are on YouTube at uh, YouTube.com slash Buffy Virgin. Something like that. Yeah, and it's highly recommended that you check it out on YouTube so you can help differentiate the four voices, especially if they're all male voices to you. It probably just, you can't figure it out. So just a bunch of dudes. Yeah. We're just a bunch of dudes with the same accent because we all grew up together. <laughs> <laughs> Although I was in Nashville last week and I started to develop a bit of a Southern accent during that week. Uh, really? In a, within a week? Well, because... It's not an unfamiliar accent to me. Like right, I did okay. kind of have one. Right. Uh, Talk about localization. Um, but anyway, yeah. Uh, and uh, you can buy my comics online and you can find exciting things Michael Poli does on YouTube all the time. But <laughs> you have to search for it because he has like, he's very secretive. I'm a little bit secretive. Uh, yeah. And you can't find Travis online, so don't even look. Despite how many times we've doxed Michael on this show with his name and his his Twitter handle and his full name, and that in fact he was in the city. I don't think Mike's bothered by that though. Yeah, Mike, is your identity secret? It's news to me. Yeah. Uh, and you can find John Landis if you're in Philadelphia and you want to see a go weird movie. Go to Omega Transport. Uh, the o- oh, yeah. uh, sorry, not the Omega Transport Video Club dot com is the website for that. All right. Have a great week, everybody.